Hello and welcome to 3 and 2 episode 6. My name's Rich, different host today. Uh, joining me as usual are Laura. Hi Laura. And Matthew. Hi Matthew. Hello. I'm not hosting. Yeah, you've been demoted. I have. My poor so... performance review came through and... <laughs> yeah, revolution has occurred. Um... So that's all become clear pretty quickly. I think I'm hosting this time because uh, Laura and Matthew have both been to uh, Blackout since we last recorded, and I have not. So if I don't get a chance to talk at the beginning of the podcast, I might not do any talking for a long time. Um, but uh, before we get onto that, I imagine I'll take up a lot of the episode. Um, just... Before then, has anyone done any hobby? Laura, have you done any hobby? I haven't done a lot because it doesn't feel like very long since we last recorded, but I think I have painted a unit of Bolt Boys for my Crawl Boys army. And I have started painting Hexbane's Hunters, which is maybe a little bit of a stretch to consider it an Age of Sigma project, but they are technically usable in Age of Sigma. So they're one of the recent Underworlds War bands that's come out for Cities of Sigma. I've painted got a two dogs. Now. They probably do. I haven't looked at it. I'm just <laughs> assuming it's bad. <laughs> I think the last few that have come out haven't had one like day and date, so I wasn't sure. But ah, they're definitely it's called like eight, I'm sure Age of Sigma appears in that rule book exactly. somewhere. So Yeah. And they're really nice models. I'm quite excited to paint them. Yeah, that's they're very nice. Um I've I've fallen off of keeping up to date with Underworlds, but I know we've got a meetup planned in a few months, and I think I am going to buy and paint nicely at least one of the recent few before then. Awesome. Maybe the corn, maybe the corn guys. Yeah. Don't get the zombies. Cool. They're the only one I don't like out of the recent warbands. They don't feel very warhammery, those zombies, to me. I like the models, but their underworld's rules are just a little bit weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Double, double downward uh, thumb then. I'm not sure what that phrase means. <laughs> Double down with thumb. Yeah, this is my favourite yoga pose. How about you, Matthew? Any any hobby recently? Mm, I'm in the slumpiest slump of all slumps. I dry brushed a couple of Space Marines, which is not AOS related at all. Oh. And I bought the new vampire model, and that's about it. Oh, the... Special character, Black Library character. book that I haven't read, character model, yeah. It's a cool vampire. Yeah, you, cool I vampire. Think since we last recorded, you finished the last couple of um, bone splitters bits, oh, right? Yeah, maybe. Green, I had big like, green sun. Yeah, I had the purple sun to do, and I had a couple of big stubbers, but yeah. Nothing yeah. nothing too thrilling. Nothing, yeah, nothing super exciting. I was quite happy with the sun. It was a bit of fun. And I think it looks really good. It's super yeah. vibrant. It matches the army. It's extremely green. <laughs> the green sun. Yeah. But uh, I can't work up the will to pick up a brush at the moment. Can't be bothered. It's <laughs> too much. break sometimes. Yeah, it tends to be the way it goes, I think. For me, at least. I yeah. can't just like consistently churn out armies like some people on this call. <laughs> you painted an army of orcs in about a month. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't finished an army for ages. But for it to be consistent, you'd have to do another one now. So yeah, exactly. 
and I won't. Yeah. Like your hobby for the year. Yeah. Um, How about I you? Don't think, I don't think I've done anything of note since last recording from an Age of Sigma point of view. I think I think last time we talked, I had painted gut rot spume. Hmm. I think we talked about that. So you have painted some quite nice Imperial Guardsmen. Yeah, some definitely legitimate, definitely not 3D printed, definitely Imperial Guards. I've been painting a lot of those recently. So um, there goes any any chance of sponsorship we had. But uh, for fuck's sake. It's all right. I'll kill it in the edit. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, so I've been painting lots of those just because they're fun. And, you know, actually, <laughs> 3D printing, like, Warhammer in general is one of those hobbies where stuff just piles up, either as like a shame pile of models in Warhammer or like just a big pile of stuff that you've printed because like the printing is the hobby for 3D printing. So it's quite nice to actually put paint on things that I'm printing <laughs> and then put them in a cabinet rather than like a takeaway tub in a cupboard. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. Um, not very Age of Sigma related though. Uh, I'm still picking away. I might have done three more Annihilators since last time, actually. Stormcast Annihilators. Uh, still picking away at a few little Stormcast bits, maybe hoping to take them to like a thousand point event next weekend. So, Okay. Yeah. You uh, don't need many Stormcast for a thousand point event. I think I've got to finish ten Vindictors, of which they're all at least half painted. So this should be fine. Yes. Like the boring stuff like highlighting leather wrappings on weapons. <laughs> Everyone's favourite part of Stormcast models. Any Every model. Factions model, yeah. Anyway, that's probably enough from Hobby. Um, I guess last time we talked about lots of new stuff at Nova. Uh, I don't think there's much new AOS stuff to talk about. Not that we necessarily want to make a habit of talking about news every time anyway, but um, we did have something that surprised me, which was another variant Mega Gargant revealed recently. don't know if this is exciting to the Gargant player on the call. Um, not really. <laughs> it's all right. I like the principle that it exists and you can have four different Megas in your army now. Um, mm. I think I kind of want to know is it going to be part of the King Broad upgrade sprue or is it going to be a separate upgrade because it doesn't look actually look like many new parts I think it's just the weapon and the head um, it'll be part of a it'll be part of a whatever the new box situation yeah. for Gargans yeah. is I, I wonder if they do like they did with Imperial Knights and or put it in box. Box, uh, yeah. or one box that cost that is then like absorbs whatever the price rise was recently or whatever maybe um i don't know i haven't studied the they showed some of the rules didn't they and it looked to me like i would just always take a gatebreaker over that because it just looked even more swingy than gatebreakers but i've seen other people being excited about it so yeah maybe i don't i suspect whatever this new book whatever it ends up being will be fairly different to the old one. I suspect they might consider the old one a bit of a failure in concept. Yeah. I'm not sure I, I expect the actual garden stats to change massively. I think the no, I think they will. around them will. But having seen that model's attack stats made me hmm. think that the 
certain, like the Gatebreaker, I think, is the most successful Gargan. I think his stats will stay broadly as they are. I might be wrong. Mm. It would be nice if they could all end up sort of having a slightly different battlefield role, but being reasonably equivalent, like in terms of capability, sort of yeah. or like goodness, if you want to put that on a scale, because it does feel like at the moment, for the most part, at least, like if you're not bringing three gatebreakers, you're you could be doing better kind of thing. Yeah. I, the thing I most want from the new book is to make the sort of war stomper model where you have one or two war stompers and a bunch of little gargants a more competitive build. I would enjoy that. Yeah. We'll see. I guess the book has been announced, right? Or hinted yeah, at. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Or at least, I, if it's not been announced, I think we're assuming, given that... Mm. No, so I they think, confirmed I think, there I think would we... be a Gargant book at the same oh, time okay. as they yeah. confirmed there would be an Ogre book. So I assume yes, we think they're coming out together at some point in the not-too-distant future. Next two months or so, I guess. I think they technically fall into the autumn, inverted commas, bracket. So, you know, barring shipping delays and stuff, then mm-hmm. we'll see. There was a new Slaves of Darkness guy. I can't say he really did anything for me, but... I really like I do him. not. I do not vibe with the Slave Darkness aesthetic, really. Like, yeah. He is cool in principle. Um, and the old sort of Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount type model is very old, so it's cool. And we saw some 3D renders of some Thornbringer Crusades axes and stuff. None Ooh. of them look like Dwarden, which made me sad. Mm, those, those hands all look pretty human, don't they? I think we're going to have a lot of salt flowing with that book. It's going to be really, really it's delicious. All, yeah. Just all humans, all going to be humans all the time. I don't know. Um, like, I, I w- would be sad if there are not other races, but also I really like Hexbane's Hunters and the aesthetic of the sort of human witch hunters, so I will probably get it anyway. <laughs> it yeah, was, yeah, it's just a, diff- a more different thing. For me, it's the worst possible direction they could have taken the cities in. It's the least interesting possible aesthetic for AOS humans is to just do 40k humans or like old Empire humans. It's what they are, which is really... It's the least interesting law for me, but I like the aesthetic. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they'll look nice, but they do absolutely nothing. I'll wait and see until we've seen like at least one actual model, I guess. Um, Yeah. There are no, there is one big axe with two very big hands on it that makes me think it might be like a version of the big guy from Hexbane Hunters. So, or or you know, equally feasibly, it's just scaled differently in the picture. <laughs> you have forgotten the most important release in this time frame. Oh, the uh, Nomad Feastmasters. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the um, they are allowed at some events, right? So I can't remember if Darren described it as alpha or beta. Beta, yeah, yeah. They released the PDF for a long-running community slash passion project. Nomad Feastmasters. You scroll through it; it really does feel like you're scrolling through a PDF of a battle tome. I think credit to him. Yeah, it really um, feels like you're scrolling through a second edition battle tome, though. It, yeah, it feels like it, <laughs> it got left in the oven at some point a year ago. Uh, yeah, it does feel like 
um, like a project laser focused at trying to get a job on the rules writing team to me. <laughs> um, I don't know if that is something that interests Darren. Uh, I think it's cool though, and he's actually like built an army to play with the rules with as well. So, um, you know, there's and there's lots of nice halfling models out there from various suppliers. So, uh, not Games Workshop. Other than that. <laughs> I think the teams that do produce nice halfling models, so I should point oh, out. Oh, well, nice Blood Bowl team. Yeah. And a very old hot pot launcher. I don't think they sell that anymore, do they? Oh, God, no. But no. It is it is a technically a GW halfling model. So. True. It's true. Um, yeah, and, that is. And also lumpin, lumpin crops, fighting cocks. Oh, the old um, the regiment era. of renown. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, there was some weird, weird. There were some weird regiments oh, of renown. Yeah. What was the the birdmen of Alucatras? Was it birdmen of Catastra? We're just going to sit around remembering things from our childhood. Yeah. Now. It's always a bad way to start an episode. This isn't is, it? you know, an episode where we already probably got way too much confident uh, <laughs> confidence. <laughs> content to fit in yeah i'll always remember the um the pike guys because i stood on one as a child and uh, it hurt <laughs> i'm afraid uh, i was a dirty 40k player as a child so this just doesn't even have nostalgia value for me yeah it's um it's, it's got some nostalgic value these, these are always the things i like looked at in the catalog because like oh my god it would be so cool to own these yeah um, yeah, I think for the most part, they were kind of like dead. Um, I guess Dogs of War is what they're actually called, wasn't it? Yeah. Regiments of Renown was like the precursor. Um, I'm, I'm on the website of catalogs now. This is not good it's audio content. Next step, no, eBay. We'll come, we'll come back to that. Rich, okay. I've, got a, I've got a Lucretia Belladonna model. Do you want it? <laughs> Probably. Is it old metal? That's yeah. The only criteria. Or a plastic yeah. horse. From I still have a mystery box of my partner's old dark elf stuff somewhere in the house. So at some point, I need to go through and figure out what to do. You should just just send it to Rachel. I'll give you Rachel's address. <laughs> she would be thrilled if more dark elves just turned up on her porch. I'm sure. It's like an inch of paint on each one. <laughs> I think they're mostly unpainted. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's the cash cow right there, probably. Cat on eBay. As long as you don't value your time at all, of course. (laughs) Right, anyway, let's talk about some Warhammer that's been played. So um, both of you, Matthew and Laura, have been to Blackout in Cardiff this... Was it this weekend or last weekend? The most um, recent weekend. It was the most recent weekend. Okay, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to answer that. In my head, this weekend is the weekend that's yet to come. Yeah, I know, no, I, as soon as I asked, as soon as I asked, I knew what I'd done wrong. Um, but, you know, the good thing is we haven't dwelled on it. So, <laughs> okay. So, at uh, a weekend, yeah, you attended Blackout in Cardiff. Uh, how? How was it? You know, someone someone want to just do a little spiel about how big it was and how well organised it was and what a wonderful TO Tomlin is and all of these good things. 
so it was at Firestorm <laughs> Games in Cardiff, which is a really nice gaming store. I think I don't know how many people there were. Somewhere between seventy and ninety. Seventy, yeah. Seventy, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, it did all. It all ran really smoothly. Everyone was nice. Um, we stayed in a really cheap hotel, but it was all right. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was the coffee machine worked for two consecutive days. Oh, that's a new high. So that's about as good as it gets, really. Uh, as it's always, all- Firestorm, there's like just a couple of really, really ropey tables. So I've played on some... I might as well have not had any terrain tables. But. Yeah, though it's not wanting to at Firestorm directly, but there's only so many rectangles of flocked cardboard with yeah. fences glued on <laughs> that you can one, over. one solitary tree on a bit of yeah no, yeah you know but it is just it's a nice space and it's quite light yeah. and uh, airy many nice. stores are not yeah no i really oh, yeah. appreciate how how airy it is yeah yeah it doesn't smell yeah it doesn't smell the temperature even when it's been quite hot this year when i've been once or twice it's been fine in the store really like given the mm. temperature outside at least um yeah so it's got a full kitchen it sells food yeah like it's it's yeah. a good venue i don't i don't mean it to be like we're bullying firestorm for a couple no. of old bits of terrain <laughs> they got their panda flesh out of me when i left my tape measure at home oh it did offer yeah. to lend you a tape measure <laughs> i know and you had to buy a new statement. Did you buy an official GW one? Obviously, the cheapest. <laughs> oh, was it really? Yeah, those records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're they're pretty okay value. That they're, they're a fine product. <laughs> what more can you say? I'm trying to trying to claw back that one's shit. <laughs> can't 3D print a tape measure. You can't. No, it's not a challenge. No one sends us any links. <laughs> Right, okay, so the tournament was good and well-organised. What armies did you take? Laura, what did you take? I took Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Uh, I've made lots of notes on my opponent's list and none on mine. What did I have? I had Arkan the Black, I had a Liege Cavalos, I had a Mortisan Soul Mason, I had two units of Cavalos Death Riders, one with ten and one with five, had ten Mortet Guard, six Necropolis Stalkers, a Mortec Crawler, and a Purple Sun. I think that's it. Sounds about right. Yeah. Bit of bit of everything, almost. Yeah, there were a surprising six OBR players at the tournament, um, and mm. I was the only person who had a Mortec Crawler. Uh, I think ev- almost everyone had Arcan, but most of the lists were more Mortec Guard heavy than mine was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And were you running Petrifex Elites? Yes, I was running Petrifex Elite. And the main sort of battalion wise, the main thing that mattered was I had um the Bounty Hunters Battalion for my two units of Death Riders and the Necropolis Stalkers. Ah. Oh, Pet Necropolis Stalkers can put some damage out in Bounty Hunters. Yeah, they're by f- they're definitely the most damaging threat in my army. Um the OBR list that <laughs> did best at the tournament, spoilers, it wasn't me, had three units of six stalkers and if i had oh, wow. that many stalkers i would definitely have taken that i think they're they are better than the death riders um it's holy but commitment i only have six <laughs> yeah 
yeah, that's that's quite the question, isn't it? Looking at building event lists and going like, do I want to triple the amount of things I currently own? Yeah, so, the stalkers uh, were a right pain to build as well. They're really quick to paint, but build they're one of my least favorite kits to build. They're really fiddly. Just farm out the building. Yeah, yeah try and test the technique. I've got a, like, I don't know, a weird hang up that I want to build and paint all the stuff myself, even if I don't enjoy doing it sometimes. I shed that a while ago. That's probably imagine. very sensible. <laughs> I don't enjoy building things most some, of the time. <laughs> some OBR stuff standing up to being shipped back to you particularly well, either. Like, it's not that bad. Generally, I find that people, the sh- all the shields fall off all the time, but very few things have actually significantly broken. There you go. Good. So no major pivot from what you were planning. Last no, time it was we very much then. the list I talked about. I was going to take on the last pod. Remarkable commitment. Something something that I don't understand. <laughs> Deciding what you're taking to an event more than like two days before it. We'll How about there. you, Matty? Yeah. Uh, what are you taking? <laughs> yeah, I was in the same boat. I stuck to. I pivoted with enough time to at least get some practice in. Uh, so I was running Bone Splitters from the Uruk War Clans. I was playing them in Drakfoot, which is the No Ward Saves subfaction. Um, I took three big bosses, um, who are little melee heroes. I took two Wurgog Prophets. I took a Maniac Weird Knob, who is a wizard on a pig. I took a unit of Savage Urks, two units of Savage Urk More Boys, a big reinforced unit of Boar Boy Maniacs. Two reinforced big stabbers, three minimum size units of big stabbers, and a purple sun. Um, and because I don't care about drops, um, I took two warlord battalions, bounty hunters, and expert conquerors. Uh, of which, by, so f- by far, the best battalion there is expert conquerors. Just by a million miles, the best of those. So good. It's very yeah, good. It's so good. Right. And you had the most drops at the tournament, did you? I think I think I did, yeah. I had 15 what drops. What an accolade. Overall. Yeah. What an accolade. But um, it's uh, an army where I genuinely don't care if I go first or second. Uh, it doesn't make a difference to me. So, um, Yeah, if you're particularly worried about turn one alpha, you've got that built-in ward, right? So, Yeah, so it, like, it, there's sort of two layers of it. Because one, if someone's going to try and melee alpha strike me, I don't care. That's what I want them to do. Um, because like Rich said, I get a turn of a basically halving all the incoming damage. And um, usually the bad thing about going or not being able to pick is that you seed board control. But bone splitters get a pre-game move, so you're not seeding board control. So it's, you kind of just... There's no point chasing low drops with it, I think. So you get to take all the tasty stuff. Cool. Um so I guess now is the point where you two talk for a long time. <laughs> um, I don't know how much uh, detail you want to go into sort of game by game, but I guess it's worth covering sort of both of your game ones and then both your game twos. And then mm-hmm. I will just try and ask some insightful questions. The first insightful questions I have is if there are about 80 players there, how many Purple Suns were there? We did it check. It was about a we third did. of players, maybe? Yeah, about a third what? of them had Purple Suns. That's too many. <laughs> like that period about four years ago where every list had cogs in it. Yeah. I think 
I mean, obviously, since then, the rules of Purple Sun have changed. So, but I think even oh, if yeah. that hadn't happened, I it was. I don't think Purple Sun was worth seventy points in my list for what it achieved at the event. As we were here, there was one game in which it was significant, but there were also a lot of games in which it didn't do all that much. I think I was probably already considering replacing it before the changes happened. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think the changes don't impact me as much as they impact you. I can take the price change quite easily. And uh, I'm mostly taking it for the save debuff rather than the auto kill. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it was always a toss up between that and gnashing jaws and quick, um, whatever the swords are called. Quicksilver swords. Quicksilver swords, yeah. They seem like they're. And Horogast, but my list can't use Horogast quite so well. So of the damaging ones, those three seem like the best. Yeah. Bone Shrieker is the other one that I can pick from with OBR, yeah. and I think I would put that in. The problem I find with Purple Sun is that I really suffer from it if it's affecting my yeah. units, and it the six-inch range mm. for the safety buff is quite hard to make sure it isn't catching yeah. your stuff, and I think that's just too big a problem for me. See, everything in the game has rends now, and my army all has six plus saves, so it truly does not make a difference to me whether there's a purple <laughs> sun hitting me or not. People kept on being, oh, you're in the bubble there. I don't care. I crave the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Warming embrace of the big orb. Yeah. Okay. Um, picking at random then. Matthew, what was your game one like? <sighs> playing? What were the main story beats? How did it go? So it was the same battle plan for everyone, so it was close to the chest, which is fine, I think. It's the... I wish I had the battle plans in front of me open now. Yeah, I'm just loading it up it's so got I understand what you're talking about. Six <laughs> objectives, and it's a little bit like forcing uh, the hands from the it's old L-shaped deployments, yeah. So you pick an alpha oh, objective every turn, if you remember yeah. to do so, which we... Did not always. We did, and but we also played the battle plan wrong, um, and realised quite late. But realised in enough time for me to realise we've been playing it wrong. But we couldn't change that we've been playing it wrong. But we've been playing it wrong in my opponent's favour. Um, so we'd gotten whose objectives were the attackers and defenders in the wrong position, which is fairly easy to do because it's not. Oh, standard. So did you play all the ones on one side of the table? With yeah. Yours? yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, um, and I mean, we'd played the game up to that point, assuming that, and I, we'd physically made plays for those in that position. So, so let me. Um, I was playing against uh, Aaron Hazel, who had Stormcast Eternals. We won't talk about his subfaction choice because he didn't do anything. He just painted them that way. It proved commitment, if nothing else. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, so he had uh, a Star Drake, a Dracoth, three units of Judicators, two units of Fulminators, a unit of Tempestors, all in a battle range. Uh, so it's two drops. Uh, Tempestors. Tempestors are they the crossbow, crossbow Fulminators. Yeah, crossbow. Dracothian Guard. Dracothian Guard. That's uh, so their gimmick is they got like a pretty bad crossbow, but it's got a few shots and every hit scores two hits. So it's not sixes, it's oh. just every hit scores two. Uh, 
So you you pop an all out attack on them and they put out a pretty reasonable amount of shooting. So it's not an incredible list. It's fine. Stormcaster in a really bad place at the moment, generally. Um, against me in particular, this has enough shooting that it's actually very scary. The five, the three units of Judicators put out a lot of shots, and it. I have because so he played the rest of it very aggressive, and he kept the Judicators doing Judicator things, so I could really get to them until later in the game. And everything else in that list shoots as well. So the Forminators have a Mortal Wound Breath Attack. The Star Drake has a Breath Attack. And the Tempestals have a Breath Attack and shooting as well. So it's just, uh, I lost most of my heroes quite early. He decided not to go for my general, which he could have easily killed. Um, because he was more scared of the wizard on a pig. It's a scary wizard. It's a scary wizard. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, it's really close. So we mostly just, um, he played it, he took first turn, played it super aggressive, pushed Stardrake right into me. Stardrake got big stabbed off, basically immediately afterwards. Um, and then... There was sort of no doubles or anything, so we just alternated turns, and in each other's turns, we just max scored and then would trade a piece, basically, whilst I was getting shot. Uh, it really came down to is um, I missed a battle tactic um, just for some crazy saves. It happens. Some pastors rolled a load of sixes to save, and they were... Can't remember the exact battle tactic, but it was the one where you pick an objective and you pick a unit to kill, and you have to get both of them. Um, gaining momentum. Gaining momentum. Yeah. You have to hold more objectives than them. Yeah. So that cost me a battle tactic. We both got our grand strats, and I lost twenty-one to twenty-two. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things where, um, I think if we'd been playing the objective properly. It would have been easy for me to score alpha objectives, um, and I'd probably have won it on that. Um, but that's life. I'm sure there's a lot of ways I could have won that game by playing more cleverly. But uh, it was quite. A, it's quite in a against a normal army. The Stormcast list is probably not fantastic, but in this like specific situation, uh, it worked out quite well for him. Yeah, like you say, just the the stacking. All the extra damage in the shooting phase as well yeah. really helps to chew through the bodies that are sometimes a problem for people. It does. Right? It does. And it hel- yeah, it helps pick up all the little units I've got running around, which are usually difficult for opponents to to kill because mm. it makes target priorities difficult. But with all those sort of small instances of shooting attacks peppered throughout the army, actually, he, he can pick all that up quite nicely. Mm. Yeah. Oh, close loss then. It was a very close loss, yeah, and it was a fun game. Good. How about you, Laura? Game one, how was it? Uh, so I was playing a guy called Tom with Daughters of Cain. So he had a cauldron of blood, two units of ten blood sisters, which are the melee snakes, a big unit of 30 witch elves. Um, he had the Cainite shadow stalkers, two units of canary. He had a gladiatrix and uh, is it a 
Medusai, Melusai, the snake hero. Um, and a unit of 10 Black Art Corsairs, which I think were there just because they're very cheap. Um, what? <laughs> so on paper, I thought it was a decent matchup because he has quite a lot of Galician veterans and I have quite a lot of bounty hunters. So I was mm-hmm. mainly just very pleased he didn't have Marathi, who I think my army probably hates. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So he had fewer drops than me, which meant, Deployment felt quite tricky because it felt like whoever got into the other person first was going to do a very large amount of damage. Um, (laughs) So it was kind of trying to deploy so that I could get into him, but that if he took the turn, I wasn't going to get absolutely murdered. And I think that I think I basically messed it up a bit and was a bit too halfway house. Um, So he gave me the turn. And I ended up not being able to get into him. I think he got a big redeploy off on the Black Oak mm. Corsairs, who were his screen. I think he got like a five or six inch redeploy. And they were able to, I had the, my smaller unit of Death Riders and the Stalkers were sort of flanking him in the L-shaped deployment. Um, so I was really keen to get them in, but the Corsairs just moved straight back. So he ended up being sort of a little bit castled up in the corner. Um so yeah, I definitely think deployment was the bit I played worst in the game, and it's something I've done. I, it's probably one of the bits of the game I'm worst at. Um, so I ended up with something like a ten inch charge, uh, and I didn't make it. So the start, the first turn ended up being quite cagey. I think my catapult took off a few of his snakes, and then he also played it reasonably cagey on his turn. So I think he charged one of the units of blood sisters into my unit of five horses and killed a few, but not didn't take the unit or anything like that. So then priority into turn two felt really important. Fortunately, I won. I think had I lost him, I'd gone quite badly for me because it probably <laughs> got most of his stuff into my army. Yeah. And then we spent a couple of turns really just having a big fight, uh, which was fun. So I killed, I killed one of his units of blood sisters and I killed the Corsairs. Then we had a big fight where his cauldron and his rituals went into my unit of 10 horses and I think we were both expecting them just to delete them, but they didn't at all. The um, Petrifex Elite minus one to rend is really good against Daughters of Cain. And I think I had a really good save roll. I was pretty sure I was on a three up save because of Mystic Shield. And I, you know, I made an awful, I had, had something like 30 something save rolls to make. And I made an implausibly high number of them. <laughs> and he only killed about two horses. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, by the end of turn three, I'd killed the Witch Elves, one of the units of snakes. I'd killed his Doomfire Warlocks, which I forgot to even say he had. He had some Doomfire Warlocks. <laughs> uh, they died. Um, and I'd put quite a lot of runes on the Cordon of Blood, and I think he'd mainly killed my cavalry. So I think I'd sort of done better out of the trading off units. I still have my Stalkers left, which is probably the single biggest threat remaining. And we'd both very mm. consistently scored objectives and battle tactics, so it was really close mm. on scoring. Um, but we took a long time to play those turns, so we were quite short of time going into turn four, which turned out to be a problem. So on turn four, I killed his final unit of Blood Sisters with the Stalkers, so I had much more killing power left on the board. But he had a lot of mobility because he still had the Canine Shadow Stalkers that can teleport. He had both his units of Kinerai were still around. Um, and we didn't have time to play turn five. And there were just too many variables to math out what might happen because it was kind of a really complicated situation when 
we were going to have to make some choices about did we try and go for objectives and battle tactics or did we try and go for grand strategy denial because there was potential for both of us to try and deny grand strategies. So in the end, we decided we'd have to call it a draw because it was just there was too much going on to be confident that we could describe what was going to happen. How um, much time did you have left out of interest? I think we had about five minutes after okay. turn four, but he had the grand strat that every unit had to fight or die, mm. and the fighting was going to be important. So we didn't roll priority for turn five. I'm reasonably confident had I won priority, I would have won. But yeah. there were definitely ways I could have lost. So, yeah, I was mildly I think, disappointed. It would have been yeah. really good to have had the time to play out the turn because it was a fun, close game and sort of not finishing it felt a little bit disappointing. But I think a draw was the fairest result in the circumstances. I, I'm always keen to try and talk out as much as possible. Yeah. So, a few games that... I think we never finished a game. I think I, we had a few games where someone just caught through in the towel early. Um, I had quite a few of those, and we always, at the very least, talked out like, "Okay, what battle tactics are you going to score in like the remaining yeah. turn?" We did that bit. Yeah. We we talked. We made. We were both very confident we could score a battle tactic. Okay, and um, yeah. we sort of talked through grand strategies and kind of, you know, confirmed there were no easy ways that we could absolutely say, "I will deny your grand strat and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there was just there were just too many choices to be able to, and it didn't. I think I think neither of us could in the sort of two minutes available say definitively I would do this, this and this and this and then this would be the outcome because you'd have had to roll the dice on some of the fights. Yeah. There was going to be stuff like, you know, Arkan fighting things and that's swingy as all get yeah. out because he has like one attack on loads of profiles. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, a, it was unfortunate. It was the only game yeah. that we didn't get to a satisfy I didn't get to a satisfactory outcome in the tournament. So it was just a shame. Yeah, that feels like if you'd had 10 minutes, you could have rolled those dice. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We would, yeah. But we were really, to be honest, we nearly didn't finish round four. That was a bit of a stretch. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just unfortunate. Um, you know, I don't think either of us were playing super slowly, but he had a lot of bodies. The 30 rich elves take quite a lot of time to move. And for both of us, you know, first game of the yeah, event, you're not probably quite on top of your rules as you are by the fifth game of the event when you know yeah. it all off by heart and you're just cracking on. That's it how you feel nice. by the fifth game, is it? Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> not how I feel. It is nice to see some Dots of Cain lists appearing now without Marathi, mm. but also without just being like 12 units of five stalkers. <laughs> so, mm. so that's like an interesting list. The Corsairs is a weird inclusion. But I think it was just that they were 80 points yeah, or whatever yeah. they are and nothing else fit. And they were they were effective as a screen. Yeah, they do absolutely nothing. Their war scores terrible, but they yeah. are ten warm bodies for cheap. It's always, can, there's always value there. Yeah, they can stand in <laughs> front of a unit of blood sisters and stop them getting charged on turn one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so a loss and a draw after loss round and one. A draw. Engage the submarine. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the the first place dreams perhaps dead already, but. Uh, you can win on a four one, I think, depending on how other people do. But, yeah, or you can podium true. a four on a four one, I think. Maybe not win. You can definitely podium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, game two takes away, Matty. Realmstone cash, one objective in the oh. middle of the boards, and then in about around three, it explodes into lots of little objectives. 
Rich, like if you've got PTSD it. from this battle plan. <laughs> um, Rich had an unfortunate practice game against my bench players into this battle plan. But, oh, um, God, yeah. Um, yeah. That wasn't the scenario's fault, though, the battle plan's fault. That was... Um... It, it was probably the battle plan's fault, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it was, it was mostly knowing exactly what I was going to be fighting and choosing to bring four stone horns with the that rely on awards. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I turn was... one pasting. <laughs> I was playing against uh, Chris Mills, um, his Ideneth Deepkin army, which got second best painted. It's a very nice army. Was that the one um, with the, the backing board? Yes. Yeah, and the a really nice it. display yeah. board with yeah. good water effects. Yeah, it's just like a very crisp, classic Deepkin look. It's nothing. It done, yeah, it done the water effects, but beyond that, there was nothing too flashy about it. It was just like a very nicely done, like classic looking Deepkin. He was running uh, Futan, which is the shark based sub faction. Mm-hmm. So he had, I think, uh, he would be the first to admit that this was like half. Competitive half. I'm trying to go for best painted. Uh, so he's running the soul render as his general with the command trait to flip the tides. Um, so he gets fight first in round two. He had Volturnos, who looked pretty. He had two <laughs> units of Nomato Thrills. He's all right. Uh, one unit of Nomato Reavers. Bloodthirsty Shiver of three Alapexes, a single Alapex that's less bloodthirsty, and a Leviadon. So, you know, it's like, it's okay. It's fine. There's not a lot on the table there. Uh, it's quite fragile by the Leviadon. Um, that's Deepkin in a nutshell, really, though. I just feel a little bit spendy at the moment. I'm going to try and not talk too much about Deepkin because uh, I love them. But <laughs> <laughs> Elf obsessive. Yeah. Um, so again, he obviously outdropped me. So we it's kind of a perfect. So there's a surprise amount of shooting in this army, um, which is theoretically bad for me. But uh, the two things go in my favour is the battle plan really is quite favourable for me, and his flip tides, if he flips it and it's into this specific battle plan, then I know exactly where and when the fight's going to be. So if he flips tides, he wants to be fighting me in battle round two, and in battle round two, it's still one objective in the middle of the board. So I just put all my shit in the middle of the board, (laughs) and he has to run and fight it at that point. He cannot, but then he has to cede probably his most powerful ability. Yeah, And all I have to do to play into that is to hide my general out of line of sight while the shooting. And when he goes in on his big high tides, I, I hold the wire for there and probably neutralize his ability. And that's basically what happened. Um, so he chose to go first, which, okay, maybe the wrong decision, I think, in this battle plan. But, um, he killed my unit of pigs, which I'd been very aggressive with my pre-game move with. Then I just kind of took his army off 
<laughs> it wasn't too complicated from there. It basically went as I planned it to. So I got the double into two. Normally with Deepkin, someone getting the double into your high tide, it's not the end of the world, especially a melee army. But I kind of just did what you always do into Deepkin and I just didn't initiate loads of combats, just the ones yeah. I needed to. So I just, because I've got expert conquerors, if I can take his bodies off of the objective, I will control it very, very easily with just a small number of units. Did that, killed Volturnos, killed his Reavers, then got, um, he got into high tide. Um, and then, yeah, he charged me with loads of stuff. He did almost no damage because I had a four plus ward up. And I then just killed him back. One prior again stood on all the objectives and he had like no army, basically. Uh, helped that the Wurgog Prophets one shot the Leviathan. Always good. Just lifted that off the table. That is uh, mean. It's mean, but if you're going to have a model with a two up save, I'm going to Wurgog Prophet it. There's not really anything he can do about that either. Like it needs to be, it's 500 points, it needs to be doing work. And the only place that it can be doing that work is the middle of the board. And I can have prearranged to have my work of profits to within 12 of wherever it's realistically going to be. Otherwise, it's just sitting back and shooting as much as two sharks would for half the price. So uh, it's a tough one for him, I think. In another battle plan, he could have played it a lot pagier and used his shooting and speed to like do what the last player did basically will me down and outscore me but in like this particular one it's just rough for him not not great so we we called that quite early um although i will shout out to volturnos who made like an 11 inch turn one charge uh into a load of big stabbers which and then he didn't fight with volturnos first uh which is like an incredible power move uh so <laughs> i don't I put, even care I put 13 wounds on him with the big stabbers and he passed 11 four plus saves. Uh, so what? just absolutely just bossed it and then chopped them to bits, which fair enough. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you know, do it with fucking style. That was incredible. That's wild. Yeah. He got laser eyed after that. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do big stabbers do? 13 wounds. How does that add up? Oh, let's uh, get some miss. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Sorry. Forget. No, yes, yeah, aren't they? How aren't they like two damage or is it just a bunch? No, no, 13, damage? as in he had to take 13 saves. I feel like I'm really outing myself as incredibly stupid. Yeah. Right it's now. Probably more uh, than one unit of big stabbers, which I'm assuming. How much damage? But they're, oh, they D3 damage. Is no, they're like? two damage. So how does X numbers of two damage add up to thirteen? Because you said number he... thirteen saves. Oh, sorry. saves. Armor thirteen saves, saves and they yeah. were two damage each. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Christ. I thought, oh, God. I thought really you'd been getting bad, incredibly but... in depth because they're they're three attacks each and that doesn't. No. How could they the possibly? Direction. But they have exploding the sixes and I've gotten incredibly yeah. lucky. But yeah. Oh, just um... can't remember how the game works actually. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, he really got lucky that then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, got the major win there, pretty, pretty convincingly. He basically didn't score after turn one. Oof. Submarine leveling out at this point. Yeah. 
Nice. How about you, Laura? How was game two? Uh, so like Matthew, I was playing a list I knew quite well, so I was playing a lovely guy called Glenn with his... I've written Daughters of Cain, but it wasn't Daughters of Cain. It was Coward One Overlords. Um, very similar. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally the same. Very high-damage melee army. Um, so he had... <laughs> He had an admiral, a chemist, and a navigator. He had three units of ten archonauts, uh, a small unit of Endrin riggers, and then he had eight Grunstock gun haulers. Yeah, uh, so, so good. It was a very fun list. Um, I yeah, I thought it was a pretty good matchup to be honest, because a lot of that has minus one rend, which I can ignore. So I thought he was probably going to struggle to do the damage he needed to do to my army. Um, so when we deployed, he backboarded his gun haulers with the Arconauts screening them. Um, conventional wisdom would say that you give Caradon Overlords the first turn if you get a choice because you don't want them to double you. Uh, but I took a risk and took the turn because I think, I haven't written this down, but I think the Arconauts were an expert conquerors. and I didn't really want them to get onto the one objective because even though I thought I'd kill a lot of Arconauts, it only takes a few of them to survive. So... I deployed really, really aggressively and then threw my horses across the board and tried to get into the Arconauts, which I don't think it was all that risky, really, because I think the horses get a plus one to charge, so I think it probably just needed a six-inch charge, and I can I had the triumph that lets me re-roll the charge, so I would have been reasonably unlucky not to have made it. And as it turned out, both units of horses made the charge, um, and because I'm bounty hunters and the Arconauts are in Galician veterans, I did a lot of damage and killed <laughs> most of them. Um, and I also managed to kill his chemist with my Mortec crawler, um, which meant that he couldn't get Spell in the Bottle off, so we also couldn't cast... He had a Purple Sun with Spell in the Bottle, and he couldn't get that out. So it was a really strong first turn. Um, I was, I, you know, I scored the objective. I pretty much made it, so there was no way he could get the objective off me. Uh, and his, a lot of his stuff was sort of tied up in a fight. Um, so then he put everything into trying to take out the horses. So he charged all the gun holders in because then they get some mortal wounds off their bomb racks and things. But I tanked it. Um, I, so he did, he did kill some horses, but he didn't kill either unit. Um, I think in hindsight, we agreed he'd have done better off just to sort of have all the gun holders take off and go to different corners of the board and spread out and start chipping away at me. Um, so then, yeah, we had a fight for a bit. I was much less effective at killing the gun haulers than I was at killing the Arconauts because I didn't have the extra damage from bounty hunters. Uh, but I did, you know, bits of wounds to things. I did manage to kill the one that had his Admiral and Navigator in, and then my purple son ate his Admiral, <laughs> uh, oh. which was quite fortunate. <laughs> to, um, and after that, he did move his gun haulers away and sort of started chipping away at my back line. And he killed a few things. I think he killed my Soul Mason... He killed the catapult eventually, and he maybe killed the unit of five horses, but he just didn't have the damage or the board control, so I was consistently outscoring him. And mm -hmm. I killed most of the gun haulers over a few turns, so we called it fairly early. Um, I mean, it was definitely a game I should have won. My list was – it was a bad matchup for him. So, yeah. you know, I was always it's in a better the, position. But I think be one I, of the best battle plans for you, right? Depends what I'm playing against, I guess. But yeah, against KO, it was a good battle plan for me. Uh, but yeah, it was a really fun game. He was a really nice guy. And we had you know some good chats about KO because I've got a KO army. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Do you feel like having the, the KO army at home, albeit not with so many gun haulers, um, do you feel like that helped you play against it? 
Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, it's just always easy to play against something when you know what tricks it can do. And so you're not being caught out by stuff you're not anticipating. And it helps you. It helps with like target priority and stuff because you're in the position to think, if that was my army, what would I not want to die? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, sounds positive. Yeah. It goes downhill from here. <laughs> For me, anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> a spoiler alert. Let's keep on moving because we're approaching the hour mark already. Um, game three. Game three. Thank I can you. be quick with this one because this game was um, lightning fast. Oh, really? Uh, so, so oh, the, no. The prize of Galet. Um, oh, it's not Galet. Come on, it's Galets. Prize of Galet. But it's what you want to say. It. It's a made up word. <laughs> yeah, it really oh, is. That's how you want. about that. Your man, Jess Bickham, in the video. Said Gallet, so Gallet. Anyway, <laughs> I've just complained that we're running slow. <laughs> <laughs> but we have uh, to have this very important conversation. We do. So, this is an okay one. This is like the old board war deployment, but you have to activate the objectives one by one, starting with the ones in the middle, um, which is fine. If your game is closer, you can probably have some fun with that and the Galician veterans holding objectives proving ground rule. I didn't really ever come up in the games that I played, maybe in the last one a bit. But anyway, here it definitely didn't. So I was playing against Daniel White, who was taking Grinning Blades Cruel Boys. It's the coolest Cruel Boys army I've ever seen. You don't say that about most Cruel Boys armies because most Cruel Boys armies are lame. When you, do you mean like visually cool or no, like just, building cool? Just it wasn't visually cool. I mean, it was yeah. fine. Sorry, by saying no, I didn't mean to diss the visual coolness. I just meant I know the reason that Matthew thinks it's was cool it, and it isn't. It, was it, it was cool and was it was it not, green and brown. It was about what was in the army. <laughs> no, he'd, he'd painted his stuff like quite. Um, there were some quite bright primary colours on on display for a Quill Wars army, so it was actually quite distinctive. But uh, he was running three Snatcher Bosses on Sludge Raker Beasts, two units of Gut Rippers, two Hogwarts Litters, one unit, one minimum size unit of Bolt Boys, and a Kron's Find Incarnate of Gur in a Battle Reg. Um, okay, that's pretty just, cool. Yeah. Incarnate. Just swagging out. Um, so the, the cheeky combo here is uh, his general has Super Sneaky, which lets you redeploy a unit at the start of the game. He's got uh, Sludge Raker Beast with the Fastened Mountain Trait, which is just like absurdly by far the best Mountain Trait in Warwick Warclans, and you never take anything else. Um, yeah. Which let you see you move in the hero phase once per game. And the Fastened one had the Arcane Tome with Nasty Hex, which turns off ward saves. So his plan cool. obviously there is like, teleport in your backfield, Fastened move three inches away, cast Nasty Hex if you need to. Which against me, that's theoretically very good because it can turn off by four plus wards. And he's in a one drop battalion. So he. And also, he was. Um, I think he needed. I can't remember if it was a 4 1 or a 3 2, and he'd be the best Cruel Boys player in the UK. So it's very exciting for me to be in a position to try and deny him that. Uh, <laughs> So oh, no. we have I'd played Daniel before I think a previous blackout maybe and he'd absolutely just smash me the fuck off with nine storm fiends so I don't feel bad about this game at all uh, <laughs> so revenge yeah so like I said in the previous game uh, I said what I wanted to see was like 
a fragile melee alpha strike army, and this is the most fragile melee alpha strike army you could possibly build. This is exactly what I want across the table for me. Um, so he took first turn. He did his super sneaky fast run thing. I unbound the fuck out of Nasty Hex because his army gave me plus four to unbind thanks to an artifact I'd taken. Uh, yeah. So that did, not, that did not get off. And then uh, he charged. He got the three Sludge Rakers in, but not the Incarnate in his turn one. He called the War so he could fight with all three before I could activate. I called the war, so I had a four plus ward. He just fucking did nothing. I think he was kind of <laughs> no. he was kind of molding because he rolled like one six to hit across all of his sludge rakers. It's he's mad as hell about it. It didn't matter. Like I said, my army has six plus saves pretty much across the board, so his mortal wound thing doesn't really matter that much. It has a mild it. it has a mild uptick in damage because of the sludge rakers giving themselves a plus one. Uh, to the number of mortal wounds done, but the amount of wound. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so Sludge Rakers, uh, so on a six to hit in Cruel Boys, obviously, you just do your damage characteristic in mortal wounds, and Sludge Rakers add one to that damage. Um, so theoretically, he's missing out of damage, but the amount he underkilled me, like, underkilled me by, it really didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and like what he was fighting also. It's kind of perfect for me because the way I can deploy bone splitters is I can have a line of line of my infantry two ranks deep, and then I can have two and a half inches behind the front rank. I can have my big stabbers um, because they fight with three inches of range. So as long as they're tagged in a combat, they're always going to be able to fight. They're quite hard to hit themselves because you have to pile through the pile through the orcs basically. Which you physically can't sure. do. Uh, so he's he's slamming into this wall of the stuff I don't care about, and I'm getting to fight with the stuff I do care about afterwards. Um, it's just kind of the the perfect storm, really. And him not getting nasty hex off means I, you know, it's a tough one for him. He kind of gave up at that point. I had a really bad turn one myself. I killed a sludge raker beast in my first turn, which is okay, but the army can do a lot more. I got the double, and then he shook my hand, uh, and Ooh, I was like, early. I, th- "I think we should play on <laughs> a bit." <laughs> um, and we did, and I just took everything else off. Basically, he got the incarnate in, and it killed three big stabbers, and then lost a level in return. And then we were going That's into like trade, and that was going into battle round three, and he had like ten hobgrots and half an incarnate. Mm. God, it sounds like it point. went your way. Yeah, yeah, it's a really rough one for him. At that point, he was just rolling dice. So I was like, "If you do want to call it, let's just call it." Like, yeah, yeah. You don't not want not to gonna... steal an hour from someone. <laughs> they could just be cooling down for the next game, right? So yeah, he was not enjoying himself. His hotel apparently was directly next to a baby that had woken up seventeen times in the night, which sounds like a lot. Yeah, but he was counting, not me. So <laughs> I'll believe him. Uh, yeah. So I think he he was not enjoying life at that point. We caught up on the Sunday, and he was much happier in, in himself. And uh, so it was it wasn't all bad. That's good. He doesn't That's hate good. me. He hadn't completely ruined his weekend. No. 
Do you no, know? Did he get? Did he get he's the record not, he's overall? Not the best cool boys player in the world. Oh, no. Daniel. Maybe next time. No, but you know, like fair play to him. He took uh, a super cool army. Really, yeah. Uh, I think his reason for taking it was interesting as well. Like he basically looked at other cool boys players, and he was saying they're all playing loads of bolt boys, and they're all doing really badly. <laughs> so, well, maybe that's not the route to go down. Which you know, smart. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at what people aren't doing as well as looking at what people are doing is sometimes yeah. very, very intelligent. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Laura? How did the prize of Gallet slash Galet go for you? Um, I prize played Scenario extremely badly. So, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I was playing Mike with Seraphon. So he had, he had two Bastilladons, he had an Engine of the Gods, he had some other kind of Stegodon, he had ten Saurus Knights, two lots of ten Skinks, a Slan, and the two Skink Heroes, which I can't distinguish. Uh, one's a Star Priest and the other one's a Starseer? Do I mean Starseer? Or something else? I don't know. They sit in the wrong shape of things. There's a priest, a star priest, and a Starseer, just to be right. extra super. One annoying. of them was a wizard and one of them was a priest, but I'm not gonna try and say what their names are. Um so yeah, I think it's quite a good list. Um Seraphon are just generally quite good, but yeah. also he played the scenario quite well and I played the scenario less well. So I had choice of turn and gave it to him. Um, and I activated the objective right in the middle. Uh, so he moved on to it. He actually had a really non-impactful shooting phase. He rolled quite badly, so he didn't do all that much. But he put his, he had his ten Saurus Knights sort of on the back of the middle objective, and he, the Engine of the Gods summoned ten Saurus Warriors, which he used to screen them. So then on my turn, I charged my unit of ten Death Riders into the Saurus. And I think I had in my head that I knew Saurus Knights were better on the charge than not on the charge. So I had mentally assumed that if I got the Death Riders into them, they would probably be reasonably easy to kill and it would be fine. And that was very much not the case. So I wiped his Tensaurus very easily and did a little bit of damage to the Knights. But then that meant that all the Knights, well, not all, most of the Knights could get into me and they did way more damage than I'd anticipated. I'd not, I either just forgotten or never realized how many attacks they had. They had loads. Um, and they did, it meant that he got the objective back off me. They didn't wipe out the 10 horses, but I, I should have followed them up with something else to help hold the objective. And I hadn't done that. So, and that meant I also failed a battle tactic because I think I'd chosen gaining momentum. And so I wasn't able to score it. Um, the only thing that did go well was I school, I killed one of the, small skink heroes that I can't remember the names of with the Mortec Crawler, which was actually really effective because on turn two, I killed the other mm. one. So I was sort of picking off his buff pieces, which was really good. Um, turn two, we traded off in fighting, I think reasonably easily. He finished off the 10 horses and he killed my Mortec Guard, but I put quite a lot of damage into his Degadons. I think maybe Arcan got off quite a good curse of years into one of them. Um, but again, I made some mistakes on the scenario. So I'd made, I activated my home objective, I think, and made it a proving ground because I didn't think either of his units of 10 skinks could get onto it. But actually he was able to, he did a thing with a charge where he charged them into my horses in the middle and then sort of put the first one in and then trailed all the others back in a line. And because they're skinks on 25 mil bases, you can trailed them all back in the line still so we got like one skink onto it um and because he killed my water guard 
that meant he scored it, um, which was clever from him. And it was, you know, I just overlooked that he could do that. Um, we played turn three, and I think I killed his engine of the gods, but I think maybe he killed my Necropolis stalkers, and he was a long way ahead on points at the stage because I hadn't been scoring very well. So we called it at that stage. Um, yeah, I think it was a tough matchup, but he did definitely outplay me. You know, there was no question that he played the scenario well, and it, I just sort of I misjudged what some of his stuff could do and made bad positioning decisions, I think. Well, Seraphon. <laughs> I hate the lizards. You do not yeah. leave the skeleton alone. <laughs> it was I I really can't, you know, blame the fact that it wasn't a case of his list was good and my list wasn't good. It really was just he played better than I did. You know, he I could have his bastardodons made very little difference to anything, to be honest. They were doing little bits of shooting damage, but they really weren't doing anything. Were they the snake ones or the laser ones? The laser ones. Okay, interesting. Snake Bastilodon seems to be having some sort of resurgence recently. Yeah. I think um, it's just so much cheaper. It, and it can still be very just tanky. An incredibly cheap roadblock. Yeah. 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 They didn't do any damage. Yeah. But yeah, he had the laser ones and they didn't, you know, they weren't really being all that effective. Really, it was the Saurus Knights that were the mm. star of the show for him. They seem really good. Mad. They are busted for how much you pay for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're cheaper than my cavalry. Uh, significantly and yeah. did way more, <laughs> but that you know it was partly because he was using them better. They're cheaper than my cavalry as well, by quite a lot. <laughs> um, by like Never fifty been. points cheaper. Yeah, oh, yeah I, was, I think the one thing I was pleased by was how the Mortec crawler performed. Um, mm. I think I, it did. I think it was probably the thing that over the course of all the games did best in my list. Uh, it was really good, and just having the ability to pick out his pick off his heroes at the back was something that nothing else in my army gives me. Yeah. So, yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. useful. And had I played the scenario better, it could have been quite meaningful towards the end of the game that he wouldn't have his buff pieces there to boost the other things. Crawler's one of those classic things where, like, it probably is too expensive for what it does, but it's the only thing in your army that can do what it does. So yeah. maybe you just suck it up and take it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And if it, yeah. Kill, you know, if it kills two buff heroes, it's probably made its points back at that stage hmm. or close to. Yeah, till you find out they're 70 points, Gink. Well, maybe. <laughs> oh, I've never Still. been so excited for a new book for an army that I don't own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna be mad as hell about an army getting a new book soon later, so you can look forward to that one. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> game four. Tell us about game four, then. Game four is not that game. Uh, so game four was In the Presence of Idols... Oh, I don't think I've played this one. Uh, an opposite corner deployment scenario, and then the objectives is one in the middle and then one in the each no-man's-land corner, if that makes any sense. Um, so that a lot of the battle plans Chris chose for this event had absolutely tiny deployment zones that I was, like, framming my army into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was one I couldn't fit my bone-type nexus into, and I just had to not put it on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing about this one is you pick three of your units to be idle units and then yeah. get points if they kill the other person's idle units. Yeah, so we just yeah. fully forgot that all game. But I don't think, looking back, it would have made a difference given what we picked. Uh, so I don't think they ended up killing each other. And also it wouldn't have made a difference given how the game ended up going. So this was a game against uh, Kenny Gibson, I apologise if I butcher your surname, Chetri. 
he was playing Magatkin of Nurgle, uh, which is it's what you're kind of the, to beat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is the the army that I sort of meta checked my army to fight specifically. Um, so he was in Drowned Men, which gives him a pregame move as well. So we both had that. He had a Lord of Afflictions. He had Bloab. He had Orgots. He had a Sloppity Ploppity Bile Piper. Three units of Puscor Blightlords, two Beast of Nurgles, uh, a base of uh, a base, a unit of Nurglings, and the Quicksilver Swords. So, if you're in a Bone Splitters meta somehow, you're up against one of the four people playing them in the world. Um, Quicksilver Swords really good because it ignores wards, so it can kill the four plus wards. Wurgog. It didn't this game, but it could have. So. There you go. There's a little bit of anti-bone splitters tech if you're having problems with 4-plus ward wargogs in your local neighbourhood. It, ter- it turns the ward off, does it? It does, yeah. It does. Um, works even on, like, Gotrek and stuff like that. Just chops them up. Very nice. So, yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Kenny this game. This was the first game on the Sunday morning, and he had gotten to his hotel at half three on that Sunday morning. Oh, God. And then... As he as he was telling me that he had also somehow flooded his hotel on that Sunday morning, he punched over a bottle of water and flooded the floor at Firestorm. So, <laughs> oh no! Kenny was Kenny was hanging this game. Um, Amazing. So sort of resulted in two things. One, I had to remind him of his rules a lot, which fair enough. He took his rules for a reason, um, so he might as well get the use out of them. And two, it took a long time. Uh, we got through two full battle rounds in about two hours 20. So there's not a lot of time left for the rest of the game. So it's quite fortunate that it was over by that point. So he obviously outdropped me. He gave me first turn. I moved some stuff up, cast a purple sun, and then just sort of squatted on two of the objectives because it's hold one, hold two, hold more. And there are three. I can ignore one of them. Um, which I did. He then went. Uh, Purple Sun immediately killed Bloab, which was very oh, nice. Oh, no. Yeah, just sucked him down the Purple Sun hole. This is the only game I've played all weekend where Purple Sun killed anything. So I feel some justice that it at least killed Bloby. So that sort of set him back in a game that was already quite difficult for him out the gate. He did actually um, play this about as well as he could. Um, he got the first turn. He did some okay damage. He, so I made a pretty big mistake in calling the war really early. I think I called it turn one. Really didn't need to do that. The stuff I was trying to protect with it just kind of died anyway. Uh, I could have saved it because then he got the double. And then the double into two, I didn't have that protection. He was able to get loads of stuff into me, put loads of disease on, killed loads of stuff. I made another stupid mistake. So every little of afflictions you've ever seen has the split holding helm, right? For the four plus ward? No. He had the shield yes. of growths. Yes. He had oh. the shield of growths. Do you know what the shield of growths does? Um, Do you, you told no, me I have this army and I have no idea. <laughs> there you go. So for every wound the model has taken, it can re-roll saves of up to that number. So if you've taken two wounds, you can re-roll ones and twos to save. Oh. So 
he there was this, yeah. So in this particular matchup, that's incredible. There was this big sort of swirling melee with a load of units in, and he activated to kill some big stabbers. Um, and big stabbers have a rule where when they die, you can pick a unit within three, and they take mortal wounds on a four plus. Um, so I thought I was being super galaxy brained here, and I put my mortal wounds from those big stabbers into his Lord of Afflictions before then activating my unit of big stabbers to kill his Lord of Afflictions. I was like, I'll do a bit of damage early to guarantee the kill with my other unit so that even if I have some bad rolls, I can still take him off. And what I actually did was gave him re-rolls, full re-rolls on his saves, and he just tanked the big stabbers with like two wounds left. And it was like, ah, <laughs> okay. That Not was idea. a bad decision. But... In the long run, it's such a bad matchup for Nurgle, it didn't really matter. Um, so, Ground Daughters flies off with Big Savers. Orgots disappeared down a Wurgog mask, as did the remaining Lord of Afflictions. And then he just kind of didn't have an army anymore. And we, yeah, called those... it in, we called it at the start of three. He just couldn't. He was nowhere near. We talked through what battle tactics we could reasonably achieve and the grand strats and left it at that really was it uh it's pretty killing like the maggoth lords even they're like they're i mean nothing in nurgle is cheap they're not super expensive but once you've taken two of them away yeah and with like especially one of them with a purple sun before it's got to do anything yeah yeah they're really not trading well there yeah I guess it's good that you got to play the list that you'd kind of specifically yes. designed your army to do well against. So. Yeah, there was a lot of Nurgle at this event, so mm. I was glad to at least face something with a ward save, because so far I haven't. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it was another went plan, even though I played it like a baboon. It's sort of the strength of the matchup carried me through on that one. Nice, nice. Well, sometimes, you know, can't always be uh, a bad matchup can it so yeah, <laughs> it's nice to get the can. good ones sometimes i think i mostly had good matchups this weekend uh there's one one glaring eclipse that we haven't gotten to yet mm. <laughs> no comment all right your game four laura how did it go yeah my game four was a really good game of age of sigma so i was playing bing uh who was a lovely guy and he had stormcast so he had Karazai, who's the more melee-focused of the big dragons. He had a Lord Veritant, which I must admit, I don't think I had heard of prior to this matchup. It's a priest that is not a Lord Relictor. Um, I asked him why he hadn't oh. got a Lord Relictor, and I think it was just he had the Lord Veritant model. It's the uh, one that looks like a, a Lord Castellan with a weapon swap. You're yeah. assuming too much Stormcast knowledge from me. Right, okay. Yeah. It's but got it had a the, little um, griff hound. Yeah, it had the teleport prayer, and yes, it had a pet griff hound. He had two units of Vanguard Hunters, two units of Vanguard Raptors with long strikes, uh, a unit of Paladors, three units of Ether Rings, and he had an allied Battle Mage, who I think is there to cast the Gur spell that gives you plus two to run and charge on Karazai, though that didn't really come up much in the context of the game. So yeah, I I think I was one fewer drop than him. Um, he put the Vanguard Hunters and one unit of Long Strikes and a unit of Ether Rings, I think, in the sky. Uh, otherwise, he deployed fairly conservatively. He was quite worried about the Purple Sun because it could have killed Karazai, and obviously that's 
a lot of points of his army. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be sad. Yeah. So he was, yeah, he was measuring really carefully to make sure that Karazai was at a distance where I could not possibly kill him turn one with the purple sun, which was probably a sensible thing to do. Um, I gave him the turn. We we talked about it afterwards and. Neither of us were sort of confident what the right decision would have been. Um, if I'd taken it, it would have let me get some buffs up and maybe have a go at killing the log strikes that were on the board with the catapult. But I didn't, wouldn't really have wanted to advance it significantly towards him because then that would just have given Karazai easy charges. Um, the challenge of giving him the turn was that it meant he got to shoot at Arkan. So I was kind of gambling on Arkan surviving a turn of being shot at by the long strikes. Um, as it turned out, he did not, uh, but it was close. So he used the hero phase shooting thing on one of the units of long strikes. We ended one wound with that. So at that point, I went, okay. And that meant he, at that point, he was thinking he might not kill him. So he then moved quite conservatively because he was still worried about the possibility of me getting Purple Sun off. So he kept the Vanguard Hunters in the sky. He grabbed the objectives, but he didn't move Karazai up any significant distance. Um, then in his sort of main shooting phase, he did take out Arkan. It was very close. There was probably sort of one or two wounds in it. Um, and I, I, did, you know, I did feel bad showing you the updated Nefrata and Manfred scrolls afterwards <laughs> that have those one or two extra wins. Yeah, if oh. Arkan had a three plus save, that would make a huge amount of difference yeah. to his survivability. But yeah. I mean, I you know, I had given him the turn knowing perfectly well that that might happen. Arkan is the obvious turn one target, and I was kind of prepared to take that chance. So, you know. So on my turn, I played for the double because I thought I was probably going to need it. So I moved forward quite aggressively. Um, oh, sorry, I should have said uh, the reason he had put a unit of etherings in the sky is because the long strikes get a bonus if etherings are near my unit so we then dropped a unit of etherings kind of right in the corner behind my lines and it gave them a plus one to hit against arcan which was was sensible i think and then they were quite annoying later on so it, i think it was a good move <laughs> so on my turn yeah i played for the double and moved forward quite aggressively so i killed most of his ethering screens and the catapult killed one of the units of long strikes. Catapult was really good against the long strikes because there's only six wounds in a three-man unit. So if one of the catapult shots gets through, it does five wounds. Um, and the bone type nexus can probably do the other one or something. So yeah, that was quite good. I got the double, which I needed, I think, because otherwise it was just standing there going, hey, come and kill me with your dragon. Um, and I did make some mistakes on this turn. I went in with everything. So my 10 horses went into his paladors. I put the stalkers into Karazai, which I still don't know if it was the right thing to do or not. It was I didn't think they were going to kill him, but I thought they might have a shot at degrading him a bit. And he doesn't really have any significant healing. So I kind of thought if the stalkers could do a reasonable amount of damage, they would probably die. But then it puts Karazai in a zone where I can kill him. Whereas if I decide to never fight him, I'm just accepting there's going to be a massive threat there all the time. Yeah. The thing I did that I shouldn't have done was I charged my smaller unit of horses round the back of Karazai into his heroes. Um, but that was really silly because Karazai gets extra attacks for stuff that's near him and they were in combat range of Karazai as well as being in range of the heroes. Um, and it just meant I had difficult decisions about what to activate and so on. Uh, so I, sh I should have kept them out and just kept them probably holding one of the objectives and just gone in with the other stuff. Um, so what actually happened was that the stalkers completely riffed it into Karazai. Uh, I think I got something like 10 hits through, and then on threes to wound, I got two wounds through. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so I did something like two runes to Kawasai. Um, and at that point, I was quite sad. But then he whiffed back. Uh, so he didn't kill the stalkers, uh, which I, I just suspected him to wipe them completely, but he had really bad dice. So actually, the stalkers and Kawasai just kind of flapped at each other. Um, <laughs> and my 10 horses almost killed his paladors. I think they left them on one wound. So at that point, that had been a really bad turn for me. And I thought I was about to be absolutely massacred, but that didn't happen. So then on his turn two, what happened? He retreated the remaining Palador out. Uh, he got his ether rings at the back into charging into the catapult, which is really bad for me because the catapult has a minimum range, so it can't fire while it's in combat, which is a problem. Um, he brought his Vanguard hunters down to what I think one of them grabbed an objective that didn't have anyone else on and the others came down in the back line to sort of help threaten the catapult. Uh, but the big thing was that Karazai riffed again against the stalkers. So he had he was splitting his attacks between the stalkers and the unit of five horses. And I think there were only there weren't that many stalkers left. So he put what felt like quite a reasonable amount of attacks into the stalkers. But one of the things the stalkers can do is reroll their saves. So you pick a mode for them to be in at the start of the combat phase, and essentially you're choosing between reroll saves or extra rend and extra damage. So I picked reroll saves. He just had some really stringy dice, um, and one of the stalkers survived. So that meant he dropped a battle tactic, which was really huge, and it meant Karazai was still tied up in combat, which was really good. So yeah, I was back in the game at this point, I think. So on turn three, I won priority, so I retreated the remaining stalker out and just stood there in front of Karazai going, hey, I'm still here. Um... I think I was able to kill the ether rings that were fighting the catapult with magic. So that freed the catapult up to shoot and it killed the other unit of long strikes, which was good. And then I got the 10 horses into the paradors again and wiped them. So there wasn't a massive amount left at this point. I had the unit of 10 death riders. I had my Mortet guard who'd just been standing around. I had a liege caval. I had my liege cavalos and my soul mason with catapult and then he had vanguard hunters his small heroes and karazai so we'd both lost a lot of our sort of main damage dealing stuff so the rest of the game was then very much about sort of trying to maximize scoring um so i think i was ahead on points after turn three because it dropped a battle tactic but he he got a bonus victory point for scoring barged through enemy lines with the Vanguard Hunters because they're yeah. Galician veterans. They're very good at that. Yeah. I think we traded off on the idols points, so we both got two points for killing the other person's idol units with our idol units. So I think after turn four, I was one point ahead. Turn five, priority was a really big role, and he won it. And the key thing... He had to kill my unit of 10 horses with Karazai. So Karazai was already fighting them, and there were about three horses left. But but he needed to kill them with Karazai specifically to get the idle point. But he also wanted to get Karazai into my Mortet Guard because he needed to kill some Mortet Guards so I couldn't score my grand strategy. So he was doing sort of things where he shot the Vanguard Hunters into the horses to take whittle them down, and then he was relying on Karazai's breath attack to finish them. And I think he needed to do three mortal wounds and he rolled the thing that means that Karazai does D6 damage and then rolled a four or something. So that could really easily have failed, but didn't. Yeah. Uh, so he did that. Karazai charged the Mortec Garden, wiped them. And then at that point, he was too far ahead for me to catch up. So he scored his grand strategy and I didn't score mine. And then that plus the extra victory point had got some moment. He won by four points, <coughs> I think. But it, yeah, it could definitely have gone differently, I think. Had some things. If I'd got priority on turn mm. five, I think I would. Cert- 
I would probably be able to get my battle tactics where I might have lost by one, or he mm. might, you know, if he'd riffed somewhere else. So yeah, it was a really close game. Um, it was very swingy. There were lots of combats that sort of turned on a dice roll along the way, um, and it was it was just a really fun game. I think me and him were both very much on the same page in kind of terms of how we were playing it. You know, we were both reminding each other of rules and celebrating each other's good roles and stuff, but also playing it very tactically with regard to the scenario. So, yeah, it was really fun. It was a really good game. Um, even though I lost, I, it was probably the, my favourite game in the tournament, I think. It was really good. Good. Nice. Nice. It's always good to be able to say that about a loss. You know, you've had a good game like that. Yeah. So, one to go. One to go. Might be quite quick on this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, round five was head-on collision. It's one of my least favourite battle plans. Mind you. Of this or any GHB. It's real Ooh. bad. Uh, so it's a, it's a corner deployment one again, with the objectives running through your deployments this time. So uh, similar to the last one, but a bit different. What fucking sucks about this one is that you can't score, you can't control or whatever the wording is, any of the objectives in the first battle round. Objectives just perfect for shooting with. Um the kind of army that I just hate seeing in Age of Sigma. Um, yeah. so it also tables... means that it's really hard oh, yeah. to score God. battle tactics round one. Yes. So if well, you've got oh, yeah. some easy battle tactic that you can get sort of passively from your book, yeah. it's really helpful. There, yeah, there's, there are some you can do, um, but yeah, it's not, not easy. Unusually, because I think... I didn't. One thing I noticed, so I didn't really struggle to score battle tactics this on the weekend. I think I mostly I, didn't, I, but this game was the exception for me. Yes, I maxed them. Even in this game, the turns we played, I maxed my battle tactics. So yeah, so the top tables which I was on, I was on table seven or something, table nine. I can't remember. Full of like maggotkin, iron jaws, soul blight, all stuff. I'm rubbing my hands together. I want to see. So I get matched into Matthew Goldsborough and his Lumineth Realm Lords. Um, he was running Helon. He had shooty, a shooty. Shooty, shooty. He had a Skinari Enlightener with Speedish. That's the new one, right? I was I was making a face that you're saying Skinari. But <laughs> oh, what's it supposed to be? I've, become, I, I've always assumed it's Sinari. Okay. I don't want to become the Warhammer pronunciation person as you seems to be the theme of this podcast. Yeah, you already have. Uh, so the Enlightenment uh, is the new, the new hero out of yeah. whatever that box is called. Yeah. So if it casts a spell, you roll a dice on the three plus, you cast it again, and you can target on the same unit, um, which you can't do with Soulblight, which is the main double casting army in the game. Lol, 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 lol. Um, <laughs> then he had Severeth, Lord of the Seventh Wind, and a Hurricane Spirit of the Wind. Then he had two units of Wardens, one with speed, one with Lambert Light. Then he had a unit of 15 Hurricane Wind Chargers. Then he had two allied Alapexes, Purple Sun and the Spellball in a Battle Reg. So no Sentinels? No Sentinels at all. All the shooting coming from those Kangaroos. All the shooting's coming from the Kangaroos and, and, and the Alapexes. And the Alapexes, and the Alapexes, I guess. Yeah. So the... I knew how he was going to deploy this, and I knew he was going to give me first turn straight away. So I worked out what my battle tactic was going to be in advance. That's fine. I 
Max scored first turn, but Max scored first turn in this battle plan is only two VP, um, unless you have some way of getting extra. Um, so the main problem here, I don't like being shot anyway, but uh, what made this probably the worst game of Warhammer I've ever played is I cannot interact with this army in any way, meaningfully, until yeah. maybe about round four. So in this specific scenario as well, he backboardage deploys it because why wouldn't he? So it's all castled in a in a corner with his shrine basically, and he castles the whole army around the shrine. Um, Severith and the Hurricane, I physically cannot touch this game because they move in both shooting phases. So he has perfect information to move away from any unit that could be getting close. Yeah, and they're, so, both, they're what, like a 12-inch move, are they, though? So, I think they're faster, but yeah. Um, but they can always move out of a charge range unless you have somehow managed to completely surround them. Yeah, so. um, which, given that they fly... It's very hard. Yeah, so that is tough. I'm looking it up now because I, want, I can't remember how fast they are. Severeth. Uh, they move. They move 24 inches, Rich. They move 24. So they go wherever oh. they want. Oh. Um, so a lot of this army effectively teleported. He had a turn where he double cast Speed of Hish onto the Wind Chargers for a 56 inch move. Oh, yeah, because if you double double, it's. Yeah. 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 The other thing that makes this extremely difficult for me to unpack his army is that he can always apply the wind charges however he wants them and then put them back in the castle with no opportunity for me to respond to that. So they can move, they can shoot, and then they can charge. And because they are Helon or they're Hurricane or whatever... They can pile up to six, and they can pile in any direction. So he can charge me, pile away from me with his activation, and then what Helon has is a command ability that after you pile, or you've activated the combat phase, you spend a CP at the end of the combat phase, and you can move. So he moves the a 56-inch move. So he moves up, he shoots whatever he wants in my army off, uh, he then charges something. He piles six inches away from it, so I can't then fight back. And then he moves them back into his castle. Uh, and he can do that effectively as many times as he wants without me really being able to stop him beyond just being physically standing on the board in a way that stops him doing it. Which is hard because he's corner deployed me as far away as possible. Um and usually in this kind of battle plan, my plan is flood the board as fast as possible, which is what I did anyway, uh, and just try to outscore him, which normally I would have done, but this battle plan stops me effectively doing that because for the first battle round, where he's massively not on objectives and I massively am, you're not scoring them anyway. Yeah. So it's just a really unfortunate combo there. I mean, I got lucky with matchups early in there. That's basically... Sounds- what happened, I ran up as fast as I could, including so many run rolls of one, he asked me to change my dice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of units, you're going to roll more ones than... Yeah. It was a freakish number. I, a number that possibly, if they'd been better, I'd have done better in the game, but probably didn't matter in the one. Um, 
I did make a mistake in the game. There weren't many choices for me to make to make mistakes, but I still managed to do it. Uh, so <laughs> I <laughs> I charged into his Lambent Light Wardens with the pigs because uh, I was just wanted to do something that felt like I was taking positive action in the game. And what? Uh, so I got rid of Lambert Light, uh, which isn't quite nice. But they're not Sentinels, so it doesn't matter that much because if he all attacks, they hit on twos anyway. So it's sort of whatever. Yeah. I've never thought of putting Lambert Light on a unit of Wardens. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because they're because if you don't have Sentinels, you might as well. He didn't have the normal stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, the downside of it on Sentinels normally is that it's only 18 inch range mm-hmm. as a spell. So. Like it's it's rare that sentinels can cast it onto the thing they actually yeah. want to shoot. But I fully lost the pigs for that because um, of his castle. I got unleashed, which I was expecting, and then the sharks piled in and killed them. I could probably should have ward at that point because I was never going to be in combat otherwise. But I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So what that basically. My plan should have been to just try and survive and outscore, which I was doing. So when we called the game, I was ahead on VP. And if I'd had that unit of pigs, I'd have had one more turn of 30 wounds sat on an objective for him to kill before he could start capping it. Uh, But I didn't have that unit uh, because I lost it in my own turn. So by turn... End of turn three, he'd picked off most of my army. Uh, he won every prio, which didn't help. Uh, so I think if I hadn't made that mistake, and if I won like one prio, I could have probably won this game and played better generally. Like I, it's I mentally, game five, you're always uh, checked out a bit, right? Like, I kind of mentally gave up very early on this one anyway, um, just because I looked at the army across from me and thought I, I can do genuinely nothing here. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just pushing models around. But maybe you know, in retrospect, those I could have played it better. But it was always never going to be a fun game. Um, yeah, and like you said, you get matched into the things that you're good against, and and the things you are like yeah. actively bad against, right? Yeah. So. so then he won the round four priority, and I had like no models, and he was just going to max score every turn from that point. So we just called it whatever. Uh, Fair enough. And so we we called it with a, a, a score of. Me having 13 VP and him having nine. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, if you can see where it's going, then yeah, why worry? You that out. I was I was gonna get like 15 VP max in the rest of that game. So yeah, yeah, oh, that's a shame. But finishing on a positive record. Yes, I finished. In fact, right, finished on the podcast records. So yeah, did I curse myself? Yes. <laughs> Oh dear. And Laura, how about your game five? Uh, my game five was also not that great. So I played Mark with Sons of Bayamat. So he had three Gatebreakers and two Little Gargants. Um, and Gargants in this scenario specifically is a really bad matchup for me because they can move down the middle of the board and put 60, 70, count as 60, 70 models on the middle objective. I don't have the mobility to get past them and into his territory and I can't outscore him on yeah. that middle objective. I you also really struggled to score right? a battle tactic turn one because you can't really desecrate enemy lines against Gargants if there's a Gargant uh, 
not a desecrate their land soil is yeah. one that you potentially can score turn one on this, but not when there's a gargant standing on the other side of the terrain. So just in order to score a turn one battle tactic, I threw my unit of five horse, uh, five death riders forward for one of the OBR battle tactics, which needs you to make a charge with five death riders and have them in combat at the end. So they nearly killed one of his little gargants. Um, and I did score the battle tactic, but then he, that, let him score a battle tactic back because he did uh, this one's mine on his general and wiped that unit. Um, and then really the story of the game is just I couldn't do enough damage to the Gargants quickly enough, so they advanced towards me. I think maybe what I should have done was just sort of try and avoid the combat, but then he just gets on my home objective, which is worth four points to him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just really tricky. Um, he made, I think he made every raw roll for his monstrous rampages, and that really hurts my army because it means I can't use the command ability that gives me the extra point of rend, which is why I really need to kill the Gargants. Um, so I I was just bouncing off them. I think the most damage I did was at one point the uh, Mortec Fall had hit 15 damage to a Gargant because he rolled a load <laughs> of really bad saves. and that, So I did Ooh. kill one of them. I was able to finish it off with the Death Riders. But the 10 Death Riders went into a Gargant and I had eight of them in actually fighting and they did seven damages because uh. when I can't bludgeon with them, they're only minus one rend. Um, and he can find a style and all that defence. Uh, it yeah. just didn't go well at all. Um, so yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm sh- I think I p- probably should have played it a bit differently. Maybe I should have had the stalkers advancing behind the horses, so that if the gargant charged the horses, I could then get into the stalkers or something. But as it was, I just I lost all my stuff that had potential to damage him, and I'd only killed one gargant. Um, it was also just a game when all the really annoying rules came up, so. I had a really annoying coherency situation with the 10 horses where uh, I had them in sort of little triangles of three to try and get them into combat. But then he did a pile in thing that meant one of his gargants was only in, there was only sort of one horse that was in combat range, but I couldn't make that the horse I killed or two other horses were going to die for coherency reasons. So there was just some really annoying stuff like that going on. And then there was a gargant on top of terrain because we should have had a conversation and decided what terrain was going to be impassable, but we yeah. hadn't done that. So he very reasonably in the circumstances had a gargant that climbed some terrain. And then we had a really fiddly conversation trying to decide, you know, what it could and couldn't charge. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just a bit of a frustrating game. It wasn't my opponent's fault. You know, he, 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 his list was better than my list in the circumstances and he took advantage of that in a sensible way yeah. but from my perspective it was it was just ended up being the least fun game I had in the tournament I think so it was a shame few, it was the last game of the event yeah a few of my opponents on the weekend we instantly agreed to just make all buildings impassable yeah That's I wish we such had a good agree- yeah. agreement yeah this was the only this was the only game in which the scenery really came up in a sort of meaningful yeah. way and the other games it was either just a situation where the scenery was the kind of scenery that that isn't an issue for, or we just kind of mentally played it as impassable, even though we hadn't actually (laughs) agreed that being the case. But yeah, in this one, I should have raised it at the start and said, let's make it impassable, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's how it goes. Here's a, here's a question throughout your combined 10 games across the weekend. Yeah. Did either of you play with mystical terrain rules ever? Yeah, yeah, I use it in every game. Oh, not wow. every game, okay. not every game, but some games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sort of increasingly of the opinion that I just can't be bothered. I mean, it I does a lot. Skulls a few weeks ago, yeah. just every game, just like. Um... It does much less these days. Arcane and mystical are the two that are yeah. meaningful, I think. Um, but yeah, all my yeah. opponents were. No one was opposed to using it. 
so we did. I think uh, we played it if someone had scenery dice. Otherwise, yeah, we couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Um, I quite like events where it's the terrain's preset up and preset up with specific rules. Yeah. Because yeah. then you can just avoid all the worthless <laughs> ones, like deadly and like. Yeah. Well, sinister stuff. and inspiring, since they've made it that the whole unit has to be within an inch. Yeah. Unless you've actually got a unit, unless it's a terrain piece that you can deploy on top of, it's increasingly meaningless because it's quite unusual yeah. for a whole unit to be within an inch of a terrain piece. Yeah, and Deadly yeah. just doesn't, very often doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, Damned is kind yeah. of whatever. I actually really like Damned because it gives me a way to make mm. Ark and teleport. If I can get him onto Damned and with protection of the gash, it's actually meaningful for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done um, this, but it's some, a thing I am aware of that is possible that in the right meaningful. circumstances. No, but it, it, it's part of the reason I would rather mm. play with Mystical Terrain rules uh, okay. because it yeah. gives that as an option, which I otherwise don't have. Yeah, I preferred previous the previous editions set where you had. I know it was two tables, which was a bit of a ball lake, but um, the overgrown one was really good, yeah. and some of the other ones are a bit just a bit more impactful. I really didn't like commanding though. Commanding was too good. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't be in this points. edition, but in the previous edition, commanding yeah. was too good. You could tweak what commanding did. You could make it a plus one yeah, to the roll or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought. Yeah, it was never super impactful. Uh, what one thing I was very glad of is when we did do it, and it changed where the person wanted which table side they wanted. Because yeah. when you, you go to a tournament and you always just sit down on one side, don't you? Oh and yeah, you start yeah, unpacking yeah. your shit. And then someone goes, oh, actually, that side's got the arcane, so can yeah. we swap? Did what you we just did was we terrain? just swap the dice. Yeah. yeah. Same. We did that as well in the one yeah. game when it came up. So that was... Uh, <laughs> People seem very chill about it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our game five top table game was the game where we didn't use it. So, yeah. Fair enough. <sighs> it wouldn't have. Yeah. It wouldn't have made a difference at all. So... Ooh. So, any any reflections on the event? Are you happy with performances? Unhappy? Um, any um, any like things to go away and learn or do or practice? I think Don't... I was quite disappointed that okay. so I ended up one point five, <laughs> just three point five, and I was disappointed with that. I put my hand yeah, up and say, yeah. you know, I would. I think I'd have felt a lot better about it, even if it had been 2-3. I think I ended up being just, by a small margin, the worst OBR player at the event. And that I was, yeah, I was disappointed in that, um, particularly because some of my games were really close and it felt like mm. it could have gone the other way. After the last game, I was briefly very frustrated and just going, ah, oh, OBR rubbish, what is this? But I think I've got over that now and just accepted, you know, <laughs> that was a bad combination of a sort of, of a match-up scenario and probably me making some mistakes as well, so... Yeah. I'm going to stick with OBR for another event and see Good. how we nice. do. Um, yeah. Matthew? You, Matthew? Um, yeah, something mildly disappointed. I could have forewarned it. Um, could have, would have, should have. I'm okay with going through two. It's fine. It's a good result for me. I'd have been disappointed if I did worse because I think the army was, like, Laura was pushing around a pretty poor army, OBR 
generally doing quite yeah. badly at the moment. Although someone did 4 1 with OBR at the event. Yeah. But, yeah maybe. But, um, whereas both of it is a very good army at the moment. So I think um, I'd have beat myself up more if I'd got a worse result. But um, I'm, yeah, moderately happy. Um, my takeaway is don't give your opponent easy redeploys by being an idiot. I hate redeploy because I always forget about it and I give yeah. away yeah. really obvious ones. Loathe it. Actually, that is one thing I did well. I think I've I've learned that lesson, and I, you know, if if I give an opponent a redeploy, I at least know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I but redeploy I really annoys of... me as an OBR player yeah. because I can't do it. So when someone does it against me and gets a six, yeah. it's extra frustrating. I've repeatedly throughout the weekend moved units up to charge something, and then retreated something away from it that it was already in combat with that I didn't want to die. So it could mm-hmm. then redeploy off of that retreat. Do the retreat first, you stupid bastard. And then your other stuff has more. Anyway, deeply stupid <laughs> plays. But um, that's what yeah. I'm going to try and yeah. pray. My deeply stupid play is forgetting to say I'm going to use bludgeon before I roll the dice, which I yeah. did on several occasions. Um, and that's really irritating. So I need to be better at are, just the basic stuff like that. I think most people are pretty chill about that. There was one occasion when the dice I rolled was so bad that it was like, okay, do you mind if I now use Bludgeon for the horses to attack? Because the riders have missed with everything, and thus I haven't disadvantaged myself. But yeah, I I was trying to play it fairly. I mean, I I probably did do the occasional thing when I tried to take something back, but I was generally playing it quite hard in that if I missed the opportunity to do something, I didn't ask for a take back because I don't like putting people in a position when it. They yeah. feel a bit weird about it, but feel obliged to say yes. I think I yes. try to never ask I had for a it. Really and... annoyed, I said, this is a really trivial thing, but in one of my games, and my opponent rolled a cocked dice that was on a, a success and said, do you want me to re-roll that? And that just felt like, I want you to re-roll it without asking me, do you have to re-roll it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, my, my Nurgle opponent did the correct thing, which is establish what cop dice were at the yeah. start of the game. I did that so in he, every game. He played it as has to be on the table. So if it was on terrain, even if it was flat, it was cocked. Yeah. And that cost me purple sun eating something because it rolled a one <laughs> flat onto a piece of terrain. I was oh, mad yeah. as hell. And then I, did I that rolled in every it game. and he was like, I'm glad you did that. But... Yeah. No, I did it in every game and I was really glad I did it. It just saves yeah. you conversations and awkward moments and things. Yeah. yeah. I, I the thing I I quite like that just saying like basically yeah if it's touching terrain it's it's no good that should deal with almost every situation other than where it is like obviously leaning on another dice or something yeah, yeah. the thing I used to do with people when they go like do you want me to re-roll it and you haven't established a table agreement like that is say like well can another dice sit on top of it and just put another dice yeah. on it. And when that dice then just falls off, you're just like, yeah, yeah. it's cocked. I should say that on the occasion when that happened, it was a completely irrelevant role in a game I had already lost yeah. comfortably. So, you know, it wasn't a game-changing role. It was just yeah. a minor thing that made me think I would rather not put myself in situations where this is going to happen. It's one of those little things you have to be able to navigate, though, isn't it? Like yeah. little social, like, tensions of yeah. Warhammer games. Yeah. What yeah. I actually did in the situation was say, no, it's fine, and then moan about it in my head. Yeah, I mean, that's it's sometimes you just want an easy day. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need any more emotional yeah. strain. But no, I mean, I, I should say, actually, all my opponents were really nice. You know, I don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. Same. All my games were enjoyable in that sense of having people who were pleasant to play. Uh, I feel yeah. like across, across the games, I recognize a lot of the. I don't think I've played any of your opponents, but I recognize a lot of those names as like frequent attendees at previous Tomlin events. I think there's a nice little community of stuff like for those Firestorm events. So I will say you can be as nice as you like, but if you've purposely designed a bullshit army that does bullshit things, you you do actually have to own the responsibility for playing, then playing the army. <laughs> um, you know, which there's someone out there going, "Your Morgan Prophet did this, and that applies to you." Yeah. <laughs> You can interact with them, really. Yeah, no, no, I think Rogo Prophet's fine. No, yes, yeah, they are. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, and f- full disclosure, he did own up to it being a fucking bullshit arm. But, uh, there we go. <laughs> no bitterness here. No bitterness here. Roll on the new book. Get into yeah. the dumpster. I'm very excited about the new book because, yeah, I've given up on trying to win a solitary game of Warhammer with my Lumineth army. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, I did 15 <laughs> wins titles and whatever else this was. Yeah, no, I can't face it. You know, I hate painting Sentinels. What I don't want to paint is Sentinels on weird horses. Yeah, they do Doesn't sound like a good trade. Yeah. Um, Matthew Goldsworth's oh. army is really pretty. It's it was, nice. yeah. He's a very good painter. Yeah. Yeah, I voted for him for best painter, but then drew him in the Me next too. round. So... <laughs> So it's the um, they're like white and green, right? But they've got like sort of subtle candy stripes on them. They yeah, are, they're, no, they're pink it, and they're quite dark. Turquoise. They're quite yeah. dark, but they've got pink and turquoise striping on them. Yes, yeah. yeah, okay. I might yeah. be mixing up two different armies yeah. in my head, but, but the they, are, they are quite the thing dark. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really nice army. Um, did he win the best painted in the end? No, he no, came, he came joint third, third. I think. Yeah. The winner was a really nice Iron Jaws on. Yes. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah, really heavily converted Iron Jaws mm. probably. Oh, yeah. it was Loz, right? Slow painter. Slow painter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, he's a lovely guy, and he spent like four years on that army. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. His his next project, if you look him up on uh, Twitter, is he's doing like. Lizard men, squig rider, hybrid things. I'm probably misrepresenting them. Um, so we're going to do some excellent radio while I search them on Twitter. Um, you love it, yeah. So, oh no, sorry, it's a it's a goblin on a squig, not a lizard man. Um, I feel like there's some seraphon bits involved somehow. The goblin um, on a squig is the normal way of things. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely not the same goblin as normal. Okay. <laughs> um, a different goblin uh, on a squig. Yeah, that's that's what he's calling them, Snagathon, rather than Seraphon. So it's like Seraphon, but they're all actually orcs and goblins. Oh, right. It's so quite... Right, trying okay. to take advantage of a nice model range to play a bullshit army. Okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, but... But I if mean, he takes four like... years to paint it, it might not be a bullshit army by the time it's actually painted... <laughs> The first Whitney Warhammer I went to, he he won Best Painted with his Orcs mm. and was like, well, I have to bring something else next year then. 
And then this year he turned up and he had painted one model from his next army, which he brought <laughs> when they did the painting displaying. He he like didn't lay out his orc army because he won it last year. He just sort of went like, I'm not displaying it. He just laid out his one model that he brought with him to for people to look at. Um, it's like thing over painting now, but it's um, like sort of catacross style war boss on a yes yes yeah is so good yeah right anyway there you go lost as you free advertisement yeah. <laughs> i sort of came um, over the event briefly thinking oh, i really want to do a really nice army and push myself and then a day later I thought nah actually i don't now slam chop some more things yeah i really actually, want I, actually i don't yeah. i really want my slaves to darkness army to end up being competitive because I think it will easily be my army that has the best shot of getting a painting nomination once I actually finish painting. So much freehand. It's not particularly yeah. exciting freehand, but it's red, so it gets a lot of Instagram it's likes. Bright. I'm hoping that'll do. <laughs> yeah, it's just as good. Cool. Sometimes being bright's all you need. Sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> so how about the rest of the year then? Like, have either of you got any more events planned? You going to change anything about your armies due to, um, yeah? So I'm the results or probably going to the just play two day event in October. Um, the only reason I say probably is I don't think I know anyone else is going, so I keep having moments of going. Eh, do I really want to go by myself? But I think I will end up on yes because I think aside from anything else, I'm past the point when I can get a refund on it at this stage, um, <laughs> and I think I will take. I'll take OBR. It will probably be a very similar list. I'm not convinced I'll take Purple Sun. Um, it was only really particularly impactful in one game of Blackout, and that was a game against the KO that I'm pretty sure I would have won anyway. So I might drop that and take either the Bone Tie of Shrieker or maybe something like Gnashing Claws that gives has a bit of more damage potential. Um, might need to test that. Yeah. The other thing I'm considering is whether... The 10 horses is too much of a coherency risk, and I should switch them for two lots of five horses. But I think I'll keep it as a 10 because just having to block the sort of tank purposes yeah. is good. I just need to pay a little bit more attention to avoiding situations when the coherency rules are really annoying. Hmm. I just yeah. I ran a 10 of pigs, and I just assumed that max eight were ever getting in combat. Yeah, but it was a yeah, it's just it was just I didn't do the arrow point thing, I just ran. Yeah. Eight in a line with three sat yeah. behind. Yeah. I only ever did the arrow points thing against the Gargants because I don't think I'd have fitted many in otherwise just yeah. because you've got to fit in a circle around a Gargant. But yeah, for yeah. the other games, it was broadly fine. Like you say, you have sort of usually seven or eight of them in with the other two keeping your incoherency at the back. Uh, I might be going to a two dare in Bristol later this year. I don't know what I'll run. Part of me just wants to take something silly and Skaven or silly and Eidner. I'd probably run the same army again. I would tinker with the spell selection because that was wrong. That didn't work. I never really cast any of the spells I picked. So that needs some oh, work. Right. But um, otherwise, I mean, like, like... Yeah, War Scroll and uh, like Law Spells. Law Spells. And endless yeah. Spells. Yeah, so. yeah, Law Spells. I'd have to do some tinkering to fit New Sun in. So it would either be a bit of tinkering in the sun or gnashing jaws. 
I know in my heart of hearts that the optimized version of this army has an incarnate and it has no pigs, but I don't want to do it, so I won't. That's fair. I yeah. don't like the incarnate, so undeniably good, but yeah. I don't want to put it on the table, so yeah. I'm so. almost certainly going to buy an incarnate. I think I can feel the feel one falling. <laughs> not for my OBR by mid October, though. That's not going to happen. Nice. Cool. Um, as for me, I'm going to a narrative event next weekend. That's currently all I have plans. <laughs> what are you taking? Is that Stormcast? It's maybe the Stormcast or maybe Maggotkin. Um, How could you not have a plan for an event you're going to next weekend? It's stressing me out. <laughs> look. When you say next weekend, we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, yeah, the weekend of next okay, week. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's it's fairly local to me. Um, not that that really to write actually narratives for whichever list you take. Or do you have no, narratives? When he says narrative event, he doesn't really mean it. The narrative is these guys are here and they want to fight. Um, yes, you have to name every model. I should make a decision. I might name every model if I take Maggotkin because Maggotkin has good uh, naming potential. I'll be honest, I am mostly tempted to take Stormcast because the problem with a thousand point Maggotkin mortals army is you then end up packing all of the demons still in case you want a summoning sideboard. Yeah. Um, and I've not got to carry them a long way or anything, but um, yeah. It's like a lot of pre-event checking the bases are all okay and stuff so maybe i'll just take like 15 yeah. stormcasts instead i don't know what you do to bases i've literally never done any repair work on bases except for like if bits have actually fallen off but you seem to repaint your base rooms all the time i i have a good slash bad eye for noticing base rooms chipping which i think is some combination of sliding around a bit in magnetized boxes or um me i don't know having acidic hands or something i don't know what the what the because deal is you but... don't paint the base rooms black and if you do the base is black and the base rooms are black so it's fine ah but you see base room isn't black the base room is like every other color that's been on the model <laughs> in certain places at least and then yeah. Black and what I should no. do is paint the model separately, and then it wouldn't be no. a problem. But I'm also never going to do that. That's that's sub assembly, and I will not do a sub assembly. <laughs> that's the correct opinion. Um, so, I paint most yeah. of my bases on the model, and I still very rarely feel the need to. I don't do a pre tournament you know, base check. E- equally, Laura, you're a person that has said to me more than once, I have finished my shame pile. Um, so but that's a different that isn't thing. the judgment but I think maybe <laughs> we just have messy, I have a messier approach to Warhammer in several different ways but you're <laughs> so... saying you don't hear what you're basically saying is that I've got loads of models with chip bases and I just don't care about them and I've never noticed no, that's, no, that's not what I'm saying I have been known to comment on people's base rooms but you know I yeah, also be my, the base rooms of my I don't know for shit I think I did tell you I didn't like the colour mm-hmm. of your base you rooms, but you know, you got a paint nomination with them, so what do I know? Yeah. I remember um, the time that one of our colleagues in a team event was contemplating not painting the rims on three of his models for the event, and you and I were like, what do you mean you're not going to paint the rims on these? Mm-hmm. Get it done. What do you mean? 
Yeah, you are. When your you model's not fucking rooms. finished, is it? Yeah, you are going to paint your rooms. Like, anyway, this is, this is it just... It probably have been fine, really. <laughs> Uh, I'm willing to. I'm willing to shelter this burden on the big backpack of things I'm a bit weird about, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I guess we should wrap this up. We've gone we over should. two hours. We have, uh, yeah. So next month, rim chat. Yeah, yeah. Next time, rim rimming special. Next time, there we go. We've said it. Um, so <laughs> you've said it. Uh, <laughs> outro time. Uh, thanks to tiny plastic people timeplanetpeople.com for continuing to host this absolute trash fire on their website. It's very nice of them. Uh, you should go and listen to the other podcasts on this podcast feed if you haven't already. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, you've got stuff to do. Like, you're a sad Warhammer <laughs> so, loser like me who listens three, to podcasts all day. <laughs> the official three and two position is the other TPP pod. Fine if you've got nothing better to do. Yeah, okay. It's like the official position, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, Can we get have, to vote on this. <laughs> as as we said before, we started recording three and two. It's not a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew is the three, and we are the other two. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we have social media. Um, oh, what's that? Go on Twitter and visit. Uh, three two AOS, all in letters, no numbers here. We even um, remembered to use it at Blackout and put some pictures up. We were very good. Oh, did you? Even yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm glad I gave other people the login to that because otherwise it would be a barren wasteland of content. Um. So yeah, go there, see content. If, if there's things that need to be shown as show notes, they'll go on there because writing show notes in WordPress makes me want to die. Um. What else happens? Uh, individually, we have social media. Matthew, watch social media. Say it's Invisible Skulls on Instagram. Or, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> or oh, I'm not telling you the other one. <laughs> you can find about, it if you look hard into your soul. How about you, Laura? I'm at scops947 on both Instagram and Twitter. Lovely. And I am at Rich Nutter on Twitter. Um yeah, I post things there. That's fun. Uh, what else do we need to talk about? Other other media's community things. Um, Goonhammer. Two of the three of us are now Goonhammer authors in uh, one way or another. What can we tell people about? Um, the stuff that's pending as we record this. Yeah. Uh, um Depends how long uh, it will take to it's... edit this podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> it? Yes, that's very true. Yeah, um, there will be there will be some joint content from me and Matthew soon um, that also involves Laura as well. And um, Matthew, you've got a couple of start competings up. Yeah, some and more coming. Some more coming. Stuff. Yeah, and I think there will be a blackout event. Uh, there's an in-depth blackout well. right up from me as well, so you can see the pictures of my awful games. Perfect. You sound miserable about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hateful content. Um, I'm going to blow my own trumpet. You can go and look at some of my models on Warhammer Community this week. They're not AOS models. They are kill team models, but there you go. Cool. That's it, I think. Are we done? Thanks for listening. 
yeah thanks for listening catch you next time bye bye, bye.